You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. <laughs> Everybody's got a price to pay a dollar, man. <laughs> Podcast in demand. Understand. Everybody's got a price to pay a dollar, man. Everybody's got a price to pay a dollar, man. Everybody's got a price to pay a dollar. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And, of course, I am joined by the Hall of Famer, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ted, what's going on, my friend? How are you today, Marcus? Oh, Ted, I'm doing great, dude. I'm glad to be sitting down here with you, as always, because we've got another great topic today. Well, awesome. Let's, well, let's, uh, let's get after it, then. All right. Well, before we do, Ted, I know that you've got some big plans for this weekend. This episode is coming out on Friday, but I know that uh, your entire weekend is going to be tied up. up in, uh, the Big to, Apple. Yes, I am going to be at the New York Comic Con uh, this weekend, and I am flying to New York tomorrow, and uh, which is Wednesday, and I believe it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm not sure what time the doors open, but I'll, I'll, I'll be there each of those days, man. So, and it's, you know, and I've been to the, the New York comic-con before, but it's been a few years now. So I'm, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm anticipating a, a lot of fans that have bought a lot of those Funko pops and, <laughs> and what other, ever other, you know, action figures. I know they got other stuff out there, but, uh, and I, you know, obviously, uh, um, the guys bringing me in, I will, will have plenty of, uh, eight by 10 pictures available for them to buy. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, a lot of the fans, you know, it's like, I, I, I really don't sell that many pictures per se, uh, because a lot of the fans, they bring their stuff that, you know, they, they bring the, like the, the, I don't know, like video games and, uh, like again, the, the Funko Pop thing, you know, yeah. big deal. And I, I always tell everybody, I said, well, at least the one thing the Funko Funko Pop people got right was got the size of my head right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, look, I know that though people collect those like crazy, and uh, you just had an action figure come out in Target. My wife actually sent me a photo. Uh, from Target, she was like, "Isn't this your podcast partner?" Uh, and there was the toy of you there in in, in Target. Um, so that's available. So yeah, fans have a lot of opportunities to bring some cool merchandise and get them hand signed by you. You have the picture. <laughs> I'll put it up here on this. Oh um, man, it's like it's like I, I'm wondering if I've even seen it. Uh, it's the it's the new action figure, and it's got like you in like a green suit, but then it's also got a little uh, modern day Ted head that they can replace. Yeah. 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 Well, I saw that and I think uh, uh, hands too. Yep. Different one hands. Yeah. Uh, and a I pair of glasses. One, you know, it's like, well, okay, what's the deal? And I said, okay, they got one head with me doing ha, 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 and one just normal, I guess, you know. Just modern know. day Ted for, I, I guess, I don't know, it's it's maybe uh, for the NXT people that really loved your work there. I don't know. It just looks like you today. So well, let's, let's just say it's everybody's got a pod, Ted. Uh, <laughs> WWE's been listening to the podcast. Uh, they knew they had to make a figure. 
Um, but yeah, so hey, speaking of that, uh, you know, action figures and signed stuff, we do giveaways on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod. Uh, Ted will hand sign some action figures here and we'll be doing some giveaways. I might have my wife run out to Target and go grab that action figure, uh, ship it out to you, and then we can uh, send it to our listeners. All they have to do to be eligible is go subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod. We've also got some awesome stories, of course, from the podcast, little snippets. Plus, we've got YouTube exclusive videos that come out every single Monday. And uh, if you guys love what we're doing here on the show, you're going to love getting even more of the story from Ted over there on YouTube. One last time, it's youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod. So, Ted, originally the plan for today was uh, episode that we'd look back to October 2005 and the raw homecoming of that year where a bunch of legends, including yourself, appeared there. But as I'm going through notes, I was like, holy smokes, uh, 2005 is when Ted started on the creative team with WWE. And I was like, well, we can't we can't let that slip by. I think it's going to end up being two episodes. We're just going to work our way up to October uh, for this week because there's so many notes. But, man, I'm excited to uh, to hear about uh, some of your experience now working in the office situation uh, in WWE. I'm sure you've got some stories. Uh, no. I mean, it was like. Uh... It's almost like it's a time I'd like to forget. Yep. You know, um, well, the one thing it did do in terms of of the way I think is um, it it made me appreciate, you know, what those people do every, I mean, it's every week. I mean, those writers, I mean, it's like, you know, who think about all this stuff, um, and of course, uh, it's good and bad. As far as I'm concerned, it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm I'm an old, I'm an old timer. I'm from the old, you know, I'm, I'm the last of the old timer age. A lot of fans say that, uh, uh, and I, I hear this from a lot of fans. The guys that were in wrestling or in the WWF or E, whatever, then from the mid eighties to the mid nineties were the last great, um, I guess what era of, of, of wrestling. And, um, I have a tendency to agree with that only because I was part of it. And the difference is, um, uh, my generation was the last generation that learned our art, the old school way. And the old school way was basically getting in the ring every night in front of a live crowd and having a match. And of course, as a beginner, your opponent is going to be able to lead you. I mean, because we're talking out there all the time. I mean, you know, we're telling the story and the story is obviously, you know, good, good versus evil and and how that comes out. But, um, um, it's, it's, it's nevertheless a story and, and, uh, and we're talking, we're, we're commu- communicating all the time. And so when I went to, uh, when they tried to make me part of the creative team, it was very, uh, it was very hard for me. And, uh, you know, looking back from where I am now, I, I wonder if it was very hard because of, you know, maybe just me being hard nosed and hey, this is the way we did it, and 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 uh, I'm I'm from old school, 
and that's the way I learned it. Uh, you know, you came from the era, the generation where uh, the stories were getting told in the ring. And yeah. now, all of a sudden, Ted DiBiase is being dropped into an era where most of the story is being told outside of the ring. And and now you're being asked to help write creative for that situation in a, like very unfamiliar territory for you. Yeah. So like here you are, this polished wrestler. And now all of a sudden they're like, hey, Ted, you we want you to be a script writer in Hollywood. All of a sudden it's like yeah. anybody would be at a loss, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and and that's essentially what you're up against here. Um, you know, we've got this from our old pal, Dave Meltzer, uh, and it's from the 228 2005 edition of the Wrestling Observer. Ted DiBiase was recently interviewed for a spot on the writing team as more of a consultant than traveling full time and working in Connecticut. That's as far as it's gone. Very surprising given DiBiase's very negative tone for years about the company, his strong public religious convictions and his frequent saying he couldn't be in God's hands and work in a business like wrestling. Well, nothing should surprise anyone. So, Ted, I wanted to. Well, you know what? And I will, you know, uh, Meltzer. Mm hmm kiss my butt because a lot of the things I just heard never came out of my mouth. So maybe some misinformation from, from Dave here at the time, but uh, he does raise a, an interesting point that I want to ask you about. You're a man of strong faith and uh, here you are coming back to a company that has been very edgy uh, since, uh, you know, essentially the late nineties and they've kind of really cranked up the violence, the foul language, the sexuality. So I'm wondering as you're getting ready to come back into this company or, or negotiating to come back uh, in a creative role, did you have any reservations when it came to working for them? Well, uh, there weren't even any reservations, you know, and, and, and I, I thought about that too. And um, then um, one of my friends looked at me and they said, Ted, who did Jesus hang out with? Yeah. Yeah. Da -da. Okay. So in your head coming in here to do creative, uh, you were, you were thinking like, okay, uh, I can enact a change in this place. You know, if, if I'm working on creative, right? Well, it's not, it was not so much that, uh, as you know, creative, you know, in terms of, and I'll be honest, Marcus, you know, uh, I mean, I, Stephanie was the one that, you know, you know, talked me into going ahead and doing this. You know, I tried to tell Stephanie, I said, Steph, that's not me. I said, you tell me the story. You tell me what you want to happen in that ring. And my gift is to go out there and make it happen. Now, I mean, uh, look at the, at the acting industry, look at Hollywood. You know, there's a lot of great actors. And they're great actors. You give them the script, you tell them what you want, bam, and they can do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, give them a pen and say, write the story. They're going to go, uh-uh. <laughs> that does not compute. And that, that was that, that's me. It's funny, yeah. you know, you mentioned Stephanie here, and we've got this write-up from the 314-2005 Observer about Stephanie. Stephanie McMahon insisted Ted work in creative besides coach wrestlers, telling DiBiase that his view of wrestling is what Vince and the rest of the writing staff need to hear. It sounds like Triple H is pulling strings because he's more into the wrestling of his childhood. DiBiase will work with at both Raw and SmackDown tapings as a coach, but he was told his creative would be for SmackDown because Stephanie told him that was the show that needs the most work. 
DiBiase is going into the job with very strong feelings about the product, so this could be interesting. He wants more wrestling on the TV show and less soap opera and TNA involving barely known women characters. He also wants more traditional heel versus face roles as opposed to the aggressive cheating or swearing anti-hero baby face roles like those popular popularized by the likes of Austin Guerrero and Cena. So Ted, uh, a lot to unpack there with that statement from the observer. It sounds like Stephanie McMahon has a lot of respect for you and your wrestling knowledge. Can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with her? Uh, well, I mean, gosh, you know, um, I've known Stephanie, I, I don't know, I mean, go way back, you know, um, when I first, uh, well, the first time I, you know, the, for the, the first time I went to New York, you know, I, you know, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't meet anybody, uh, you know, I just knew Vince Jr. And he wasn't even the boss that his dad was, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I met Stephanie, but when I joined the company and in, in what was that? 87. Yes. You know, and, um, you know, um, uh, I don't know. I can't remember how old she was then, but, you know, I met her and, you know, it was, uh, you know, just, <laughs> you know, how, how are you going to treat the boss's daughter? You know, you get a lot of respect, right? Absolutely. And, and, uh, and she was always very nice to me, but I, and I don't know, uh, I don't know, um, exactly where, you know, where they, uh, you know, I, I guess, and I, I, this is something Vince said to me one night and it gave me, it made me begin to believe under, to believe that he now understood where I was coming from. Okay. He was talking about, he said, he said, Ted, he says, you remind me a lot of, of, uh, oh gosh, now I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He was Pat Patterson's partner. Out oh, in- uh, Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens. Vince said, Ted, he says, you remind me a lot of, of Ray Stevens. I said, how's that, Vince? He said, he said, well, you know, Ray was a, a great worker as you are. He says, but if you ever asked Ray why he did anything at any particular time in a match, he couldn't really explain it to you. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I said, exactly. That's exactly right. He said, I said, because, you know, you don't know because it's something that you, you, you learn, you know, as you learn the old school, you learn the old school way. Every crowd's going to be different. They're going to respond different. You know, you got to think on your feet. So, uh, yeah, I said, that's right. You know, cause that's what, that, that's what Vince couldn't understand is that, you know, how could, how could I possibly be this great wrestler in the ring and, and not, then not sit down and, and map out a match. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I can, you know, if you want some good finishes, I can, you know, I can help you there, but, you know, that's it. Uh, Ted, coming in the door, I mean, you've got some fresh eyes on this product, though, and, you know, you'd certainly been around a lot of big stars, and now you're around a lot of modern-day stars. Were there any talent in particular that, uh, off the top of your head that you, you think you'd be great at telling a story for or somebody that you could get the best out of? Eddie Guerrero was there, Kurt Angle, uh, John Cena, Batista. You know, Triple H, of course. I, well, I, you know, and then again, you know, John Cena's a great guy, you know, but it's kind of like, um, 
you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't see what other people saw in, in John. Really? Uh, but at the same time, um, and again, that's just, you know, you know, it's not a knock on him. It's, it's, it was kind of like, you know, I wasn't, you know, the, the other, they, they saw, they, they saw other things apparently that I didn't see. I mean, I, I liked him. I had, I had no, but you know, I didn't look at John Cena when he, when they first were pushing him and oh God, this guy is going to be huge. I just didn't see that. Uh, but he, you know, I'm glad he disappointed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, legitimately gone on to be one of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling, really uh, kind of his generation's version of, you know, the rock or Hulk Hogan or stone cold. Yeah. Um, which is which is great. He's had a lot of success, and at this time, he's also doing a very edgy freestyle rap on his opponents when he's coming to the ring. Um, and you know, some of the stuff is really pretty salacious and out there. But I mean, it was it, he started as a heel doing it, but then it, some of the stuff he was doing was so good that the crowd kind of turned him babyface. And yeah. you know, as you're coming in the door, he's really starting to get to get pushed. But um, at, at the time, you know, great body, good looking guy, obviously some mic skills. But at the time, you were just like, eh, don't really see him as a main event guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ted did. But, you know, hey, who am I? Well, <laughs> I, would, I would say that your opinion carried a lot of water. Hey, hey but hey, nobody was happier to see him become that guy. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I'm, I'm and, you know, it's touche, buddy. I'm glad, you know, more power to you, John. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he ended up a bigger star than me, <laughs> <laughs> and now he's killing it in Hollywood. You know, he's he's doing a good yes. job out there. So hats yes. off to the guy. You know, what a career. Yeah, um, and, and the Rock. I mean, they, they're there. You go. Amazing. Now, according to my research, Ted, your first day on the job was April 11th. And uh, Ted, I don't remember if I've asked you about this or not, um, but how is your relationship with Vince? Like when you're coming in the door, is it hugs and excitement uh, when, when he sees you or is it more like professional respect? Um, no, he, you know, it's, I, I never, I never had a problem getting along with Vince. You know, I, there was never any um, animosity, you know, if, you know, I know, um, um, I, I know that when I left and went to WCW, mm -hmm. if there was ever a time that Vince might have been somewhat disappointed in me, that might be it. I know I I had a, the one conversation that I had with him. You know, um, is when I went when I went back to work for him, and I and I I tried to explain to him why I left, mm -hmm. and I said, you know. Uh, you're a guy, you're running a, a, a company, this monster machine. And, um, you see a place where you want me to go and that's where you put me. Yeah. And, uh, I said at that time, you know, it's kind of like, I didn't see you being the, the guy be, to be, you know, like interested in my personal life and what's going on enough to it's kind of like you're a businessman and you're telling one of your employees this is where i'm going to put you this is where you can best help me yeah. and and you know rather than i didn't want to i, did, I guess I, I that's like i told him i didn't want to bother you with, with my personal feelings and and my 
you know, my reason for wanting not to go on the road. You know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go back and even take that chance. Right. To be on the road again and be back out, you know, like, oh, next show, next town, next party, all that stuff. And, you know, even though I didn't anticipate that, you know what? It was like, it was the big, it was a big, I don't want to do it. Um, and, uh, and he told me, he said, Teddy said, you should have come talk to me. And, and I said, well, yeah, I realize that now, but back then for whatever reason I didn't. And, and so, yeah, so ever since then, you know, my relationship with Vince has, has been great. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's not like I talk to him every week either. I mean, I, the only time I talk to him is when I see him. And when I do see him, it's usually at a monster show where he's got a lot of other things on his mind. Right. Other than me. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Yeah, I will forever be indebted to Vince McMahon because the character of the million dollar man was, was Vince's idea. I'm telling you, if Vince could be a character in his own show, He'd have been me. It sounds like overall you had a, a good relationship with Vince McMahon. Certainly nothing negative. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. However, I, we as fans always hear that he can be very, very difficult to work for. Uh, constantly rewriting, changing his mind. Uh, did you have any experiences with him? You know, we, we hear all the time he'll get on the plane or whatever and start reviewing the script. And if there's something he doesn't like, he just tears it up. Okay, let's start over. Uh, did you have experiences like that? Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I were, I was <laughs> for the little while that I was there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and he would have ideas of his own mm -hmm. and, and, and then, and then, and, and, uh, and, and, and look at it and go, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to go back and we're going to start over. <laughs> So, yeah, I've, I've actually heard Bruce say on his podcast before that Vince would look at an idea that he wrote like hours before the day before or something and say, like, oh, this is shit. And he'd just like tear it up. And it's like uh, he can't even agree with himself on this. How's he going to agree with me? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so uh, we also hear as fans that he has weird little pet peeves uh, that he's not afraid to give people a hard time about. Uh, like one thing that stands out for me is I'd he I've heard that he does not like sneezing during a meeting. Uh, like he is not a big fan of somebody sneezing in his presence. Oh. Uh, can you think of any weird little Vince isms like that? Um, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking yeah. back and going, I don't know. I don't think I ever sneezed in front of him. Apparently he's, you know, said like he doesn't like sleeping. He says that sleeping is is essentially a waste of time and he doesn't believe in getting sick. He thinks that people can just will themselves through it. So just like, gosh, what a fascinating guy to work for. Uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like doesn't like he doesn't like sleeping. Right. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> he's, I, I think in his head, he's like, he's I could be probably gets by on about four hours of sleep a night. Was he calling you in the middle of the night? Because we've heard that as well. That he'll call somebody with an idea at like three in the morning and he's wide awake and you're just coming out of it. Uh, no, I never got that call. <laughs> he, was, he was having mercy on you, I think, with some of this stuff. Because, man, that's, those stories have become legend. 
Um, how about the overall workload of the job, though, Ted? Like, uh, would you say it was a lot, like overwhelming? Uh, I guess there were there were there were times when it could could feel overwhelming, especially if you're, you know, a part of this creative team and uh, and you have deadlines to meet, you know. And what do you do here? And then, you know, obviously if there's any major change, it has to be run by Vince and, you know, and then Vince, Vince is this very busy guy. And so sometimes like, holy shit, we got, we can't change it without telling him. And, and when are we going to get time to talk to him? And (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I, you know, at the time, at the time when I was working in the office and trying to be this aid to the creative team, um, I mean, I, I remember because I would I would uh, I would do uh, we do raw raw on Monday night uh, SmackDown on Tuesday night back then and then we would go back to the office and I was in the office Wednesday Thursday and then Friday afternoon I would have to leave Stanford by no later than two twenty five and get on the road to get to the LaGuardia airport time to make my plane home. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I was, uh, I was always sweating whether I was going to get out of there in time. I don't know. All right. Let's hit the pause button real quick to talk about a partner that is near and dear to my heart. I'm talking about AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Guys, before AG1, I used to wake up every morning and I was taking a bunch of multivitamins and supplements and I hated it. I mean, getting all that stuff was expensive. And then once you're done, you know, swallowing all those pills and vitamins and supplements, you don't even have an appetite for your breakfast anymore. So once I got fed up with that, I was like, okay, maybe I'll try doing a healthy smoothie every single morning. Well, the smoothies tasted good, but you have to go and get all the ingredients, and then it takes time to measure out portions. And then when you're done, it takes even more time to thoroughly clean the blender and make sure that you get underneath all those blades. And it was just eating up so much of my time. I needed a simple, singular solution that would cover all my nutritional bases, would give me more energy through the day, and would give me better gut health, something that would support my immune system especially with my young daughter coming home from daycare with a bunch of germs on her hands and coughing. And, you know, it's if you've ever had a toddler, you know that once they get home uh, from daycare, they're just like little carrier monkeys. They've got all kinds of germs. And all of a sudden, you yourself are getting sick all the time. I needed something to help me. And AG1 was the solution. And after more than a year with that, I can say I've never been happier with my morning routine or felt healthier. AG1 made life easy for me by providing 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients by simply mixing one scoop with water. That's it. I drink it. I'm done. More time to spend with my family, more time to get work done, simple cleanup, and the energy and health to tackle every obstacle that gets put in my way. It's an easy micro habit that delivers macro results. If you got a family and a budget like I do, I know what your next question is because it would be my next question. How much does it cost? Well, we're talking about less than $3 a day. You know, my wife every morning is going to uh, the gas station or Starbucks uh, in order to get, you know, some kind of a special coffee or a snack or something like that to get her morning started. Not anymore. She and I are wrestling over the AG1 every morning to see who can get theirs first. 
And uh, let me say, we both broke our bad habits and we're saving money on a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients with AG1. That is a giant win-win in my house. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com forward slash EGAP. That's drinkag1.com forward slash EGAP. Check it out, guys. I know you're going to love it just like I do. Well, look, it's uh, it seems like it proves out uh, that, you know, what you had told him about, you know, you maybe not being the best fit for creative because uh, we've got this from the 520-2005 edition of The Observer. So about a month after you started on the creative team, um, it says that your trial period has ended and you're now working as more of an agent giving advice to wrestlers on their work as opposed to booking creative. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it just got to a point where you guys determined that uh, mutually that, okay, this isn't a good fit. How else yeah. can I be used essentially? Right. So, yeah. And so I went from that to, you know, just being a, what they call a producer. Yes. You know, yes. For the guys with the, with, with the matches and stuff. And, and of course, you know, that was, uh, you know, I don't know. It's still, uh, foreign <laughs> I, I mean i could i mean i you know i say okay you know based on here's 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 where you are on the card and and you know and, and again uh you got guys you got some matches are 10 minutes sometimes so, you know and again on a tv show you know and you got to get the time right and you got you got to be able to let them know what's happening and uh but uh, i'll be honest with you that whole experience uh I don't know. It made me appreciate, you know, what goes into to putting on a show of that size and, you know, and, and all of that and all that stuff that, that, that goes into it and how, you know, like just week after week after week, you know, and it's like, I look at Vince and just shake my head and go, Oh my gosh, you know, how, how does he do it? Six twenty-seven, two thousand five. Observer states that there's an article in Clinton, Tennessee, stating that your sons, Teddy and Michael, will be joining WWE in two thousand six as a tag team managed by you. Not long after this, Jim Ross would bring back his Ross report to WWE.com, and he would state that he was surprised to find that your two kids were studying to be pro wrestlers at Harley Race's school because it wasn't that long ago when you had said you wouldn't even let your kids watch pro wrestling. So, Ted, uh, any truth to that? Were you keeping your kids away from wrestling? I didn't want my boys to be wrestlers and not because I didn't love wrestling. I didn't want them to be wrestlers because I didn't like what came along with the package, the mm -hmm. lifestyle. Now, the lifestyle has changed much. Yes. Now, today, you want to be a wrestler? Go ahead. Why? They work four days a week. Friday night, SmackDown. Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, Raw. And they go home for three days every week. Now, I don't know if that's everybody. I, I, and I would venture to say that, because I remember uh, when John Cena was on top. He, I mean, he was the top guy. If you're the top guy, I'm sure Vince has got other things to have. You know, because you're the flag bearer for the for the company. Yeah, that guy uh, is not going to have that much time off. But 
he's going to be well paid for it. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. So. Yeah. And John Cena, I don't know if he does have a bus, but he would be in a position then to as many wrestlers nowadays do, they get their own private bus and a driver. And instead of, you know, being hunched over a steering wheel at four in the morning, driving to the next town, sleeping. Yeah. And a lot of them, I I, I know the story. A lot of them have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Which good for them, really. You know, it's uh, like I know that, you know, we say, uh, well, you learn a lot on the road with other guys talking about the show and what you're going to do with the next show. But but, uh, you know, really, it's if you want to talk about longevity, getting to lay down and sleep as opposed to drive whatever, 250 miles (laughs) to the next town. That's a game changer. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't always an ambition for your sons to get into pro wrestling. Did that come later for them? Well, it was kind of like. I, I think they may have wanted to all along. And, you know, cause I always said, you know, you know, you're not going to be wrestlers. You're not going to be wrestlers, you know, but by the time that it came around and I saw the differences, I mean, you know, uh, and again, and again, uh, I was basically giving them my, my step of approval because I was letting them learn how to wrestle from the guy who I had, I had a lot of respect for Harley race. Mm-hmm. Harley race who helped me substantially in the business. You know that they're getting taught the right way to, yeah. to be a professional wrestler, which is yeah. great. Um, all right, well, let's get to raw homecoming. It's October 3rd, 2005. The show is loaded with both modern day talent and legends. Uh, there is a lot to cover on this event. So I'm just going to hit some of the highlights of the night and get your thoughts on it. Uh, we've got a 30 minute Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle, which ended in a two to two draw. Both really special performers here. We've talked we've talked about Shawn Michaels on a few occasions on the show, but I would love to hear what you thought about Kurt Angle as a performer. Well, again, you know, uh, yeah, Kurt. Uh, here's a guy who was, um, you know, he he had also been an amateur athlete. I had a lot of respect for the guy right out of the 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 blocks. I mean. Cause that kind of reminded me of my dad. I mean, my dad, you know, my dad, uh, never went to the Olympics, but in, uh, was it, I think it was 1946 and won the AAU national heavyweight wrestling title. And then went back to, and you know, he went to Nebraska and I think he was in the Navy when he, when he won that. And then when he went to Nebraska, he lettered eight times four in four years in football, four in wrestling three years in a row. He was conference heavyweight wrestling champion. So just a hell of a man. And, uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of respect for, for, for somebody who, you know, who, who, who can do the real deal and then come on. Cause sometimes that doesn't always mesh. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're, you're the real deal and you're doing real amateur wrestling, I mean, pro professional wrestling is, I mean, a far cry. I mean, it's a, it's a work. I mean, obviously you gotta be an athlete. Uh, but I, I don't know that, okay, I put it this way, knowing all those amateur moves is not going to help you as a professional wrestler. Uh, what is going to help you as a professional wrestler is your, your ability to perform. You can't give anybody charisma. They either have it or they don't. Yep. And Kurt certainly did. You know, Dr. Tom Pritchard is uh, the guy who trained him. And I believe Dr. Tom is on record as saying that Kurt Angle took to wrestling more naturally than anybody he's ever trained. Yeah. 
which is just a, a crazy thought. You know, this guy who's this prolific trainer saying like, yeah, Kurt Angle, this this amateur, this guy with no professional wrestling background, just essentially walked in the door and was immediately the guy. Yeah. Man, uh, absolutely incredible. And, you know, well, that's kind of like, you know, my dad was similar to that. I mean, not, you know, not, not an Olympic athlete, but, you know, uh, he took to pro wrestling like, you know, like that. What's interesting about Kurt, too, is that, you know, he comes from a sport where it's like you're trying to dominate your opponent. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've got to learn about selling and you've got to yeah. learn about begging off and all that sort of thing as a heel. And it's like he had, you know, allegedly he initially was like, well, I don't want to lose coming into this business. But he started to get it. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, OK. And he didn't mind being like a chicken shit heel or cheating yeah. or I mean, just, yeah. uh, you know, such a such a remarkable story with Kurt Angle. What a what a hell of a guy yeah. and a guy really after kind of your own heart when it comes to wrestling it, like yeah. kurt angle tells some incredible stories in the ring yeah yeah yep. can't absolutely sing, can't sing his praises enough um so another guy legendary of course is the nature boy he's still active here and he's teaming up with triple h at this event to take on carlito and chris masters uh ted rick is 56 at this time what did you think about seeing him out there still doing his thing at that age please rick please <laughs> You know what? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and I've said this before. I, I promised myself that when I hit 40, I was out, out, out the door as a, as a physical wrestler. Uh, my dad being such an outstanding athlete that, that he was in his early life and then dying of a heart attack in a wrestling match at the age of 45 mm -hmm. it ain't going to happen to me. And so I just, you know, uh, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe things were a lot better. I mean, are a lot, were a lot different, in, in, you know, during the early years of wrestling where my dad was, I don't know, but, uh, uh, 56 and, and, and the, the amount of bumping, Yes. You know, it's like, you know, guys back here, when you, if you go and watch, if you could go watch, watch pro wrestling televised matches from the 60s, a lot of that, you don't see all, you know, you, you don't, they're not flying all over the ring all the time. They're on the mat. They're, they're having a wrestling match. Right. And, and uh, so that's, that's a big difference. So, you know, 56, no. I mean, were you close enough with Rick at this time to say, like, "Hey, dude, like, maybe it's time for you to hang up the boots and you know, take you know, it's uh, you know, that's not for anybody to to, to tell a guy, and, and certainly not Ricky. <laughs> There's no anybody that knows Rick. You can't tell you, you know, you talk to your blue in the face. Rick's gonna do what he wants to do, and he certainly you know, did here. Uh, personally, I love the guy. I, I love the guy. Uh, you know, and 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 he legitimately was one hell of a worker there's no denying that but rick wants to be the center of attention i i think i might i might have told you this too but you know the deal it's like you know he come in and you know you know like almost wave it there and he says around for everybody on the nature boy <laughs> and so he he'd buy the he'd buy everybody a, a around right right mm-hmm 
And so I, I would do that too. And I, I got Rick over and I said, Rick, I said, there's one big difference between you and me. He said, what's that, Ted? He said, well, I said, when you buy that round, you're spending your money. When I buy it, I'm spending Vince's money. <laughs> written off as promotional. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, he just looked at me. <laughs> rolled what can you even say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he always used to say, like, I've spent more money on spilled liquor than you've made in a year. And I, I think I believe yeah. it. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got Ashley and Trish Stratus. Uh, they would defeat Candice Michelle, Victoria, and Tori Wilson here. But let's talk about what happened ahead of the match, Ted. It's our only clip this week, and it's a wild one involving Mae Young. Uh, do you have any recollection of the what I'm about to show you? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I am going to be watching you, I think, more than this video to see your reaction to this. Here we go. Thanks a lot, Trish, for helping me last week. Oh, honey, someone had to come back and take care of business, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, explain this to me. I'm off with an injury, and, and suddenly they think they're the number one divas on the Raw? I don't think so. I know. Oh, and then, and then Tori, Candice, and Victoria, they want to have a bra and panties match? <laughs> Hello. I, I can't believe it. No problem. I mean, <laughs> we got this, right, Trish? Honey. We got this. Right, right. I mean, who am I kidding? The woman's champion. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and, you know, just in case things don't go, like, so smoothly and, like, you're, you're covered, right? Yeah. Like, you're all... I, I'm all set. I think, you know, just, just want to... Yeah, I'll, I, yeah, I'll check it for you. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa. Good? It's okay? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Okay, cool. Like, the bra is good. Right, right. right. I mean, you should see the panties. <laughs> no, no, because that means... Hey, what are you doing? Uh, May, I'll give you a thousand dollars. Put your shirt back on. May, 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 two thousand dollars. Just put your shirt back on. Come on, May. Come on. You embarrassing me every time oh, I take you out. You drunk or naked? Oh my! It's time for you to get out of here. I want the three thousand dollars. Oh my! Not up. I'll pay you back. Sister May. Wait, wait, Jimmy. Sister May. Oh, Jimmy. Sister May. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> oh gosh, that's great. Oh, I remember it now. Uh, yeah. I mean, and it was like, and I wasn't kidding. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> I'll take out my own wallet. Let's put uh, your clothes back you on. Know, though, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what. I knew who those two ladies were because my mother wrestled as Helen Hild. Yes. She wrestled both of them. How about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they remembered my mom too, for sure. Wow. So, yeah. I, I think mean, it was, uh, I think May was, uh, I'm trying to, th I think, was it May? I think May was the one that organized all the girls back in the day or was uh, that, that was, that was Moolah. 
Moolah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It wasn't May. Right. Yeah. No, so, yeah. Uh, well, I know Moolah. This. Yeah. Yeah. Moolah was not very well thought of. I've heard that. I've also heard, you know, over the years, it's it's come out that maybe she uh, was a little bit dishonest at times when it came to the payoff oh. and what she would take from the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's. There's there's other rumors that I won't get into, but uh, you know maybe yeah. not not always necessarily the greatest person, but certainly you know a legendary career. And I mean Mae Young is here, and she is. I mean it's just not a reunion on WWE without her doing something awful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it was, and Jim Duggan peeking through his fingers as she's going away. It's just, <laughs> yeah. oh, just incredible stuff. Um, oh man, that's thanks for sharing that one with <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, later in the night, yourself and a bunch of legends would be out in the ring celebrating when Rob Conway would come out to insult everyone, and of course, he gets uh, a beat down at the hands of Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Kevin Von Erich, and even a splash from Superfly off the top rope, which is wild. Um, it had to feel good though, getting back in the ring with like a bunch of your you know contemporaries, guys you know that you were friends yeah. and who had been yeah. your mentor, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. sure, man. Man, they're really fun. I always love these reunions. I'm, I know that, you know, they usually do one once a year. So I'll be looking for you on the next one, too. Um, so the show would end with John Cena versus Eric Bischoff in a short match where Cena, of course, just dominates him. Do you think that Vince is putting Eric Bischoff in the ring to have a little fun with Eric after the hell that he put him through just a handful of years earlier? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It does make you wonder, like when yeah. Bischoff would eventually uh, leave the WWE, uh, he famously, and Eric thinks it's hilarious, uh, he's talked about it on his podcast, 83 Weeks, but he would famously be thrown into the back of a garbage truck by Vince McMahon himself. <laughs> so it's like I, Vince uh, certainly got his revenge in the, and then some when it came to Eric. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ted, before I let you go, I have one last thing to ask you about. Um, I've got this from the 10-24-2005 Observer. Boogeyman and Mickey James both got called up after being scouted by Ted DiBiase and Dave Lagana on 10-5 in Louisville. They were at an afternoon session and then brought Vince a tape of the TV to show her taking a tree slam bump from Boogeyman. And Vince wanted to start her immediately on Raw as a wrestler. Ted, you're out here scouting as well. What did you think of scouting for the company? Um, well, you know... Um... It was, uh, you know, okay. If there's one thing that I could help them do, and and it might have, you know, is is the ability to spot talent when you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, I, I figured that was one thing I could do. Well, you know, you and I have talked on the show about having it, the X Factor, charisma, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Uh, and Mickey James and the Boogeyman certainly both have those qualities. And Mickey has actually gone on to become one of the most respected women in the yeah. history of wrestling. Oh, so, yeah. So it's really cool that you're here with your fingerprints on her call up to the WWE. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, do you recall what jumped off the page when it came to Mickey James as a performer? Not, not really. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, Marcus, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. It's like, it's one of those things where when you see it and you recognize it, uh, you know, you just, you just know it's kind of like, uh, oh gosh. Uh, 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 Brad Armstrong. Okay. Who has passed away. The first time I saw Brad, 
in the ring and watched him. I, I remember saying it to myself. I said, this kid's got it. And boy, did he have it. You talk about, uh, I mean, I mean, lost him way, way. I, I, you know, when I, when I heard that he had passed away, I was just shocked. You know, so much talent, an unbelievable future in the business and gone way too young, way too young. Devastating. But yeah. Yeah. But he was one of those guys when I just, when I saw him, I said, he's got it. He's got it. And you saw those same qualities in a young Mickey James here where it's like, yes. maybe you can't quite put your finger on it, but just watching her, the way she moves and behaves, you're like, okay, yeah. she's got it. Yeah, absolutely. And she did, man. Man, unbelievably cool that you're there involved in her call up to the WWE. And now, you know, to see her today and, and what a legend she herself has become. Wow. Uh, just just really cool uh, that you're there. And, you know, we're having a blast here on Everybody's Got a Pod and we have great stuff ahead for the rest of the month. Next week, it's another Ask Ted Anything where we throw you the keys to the podcast and allow you to ask Ted questions. So get them in on our social media page at Ted DiBiase Pod on all social media platforms. Before we go, of course, I, I want to remind you to uh, get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com and sign up for Premier Plus if you want this podcast early with no commercials. And if you want access to a ton of sports entertainment and other shows, uh, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to like what they're doing over there. Again, it's PremierStreamingNetwork.com. Sign up for Premiere Plus today. If you're enjoying our show, please take just a moment and open up your podcast app and like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review because that helps Ted and I out a whole bunch. Also, follow Ted at MDMTedDBiase on his social media. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on Twitter or X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. So, Ted, a look back to 2005 today. Uh, it was It's interesting looking back on a part of your career that really doesn't get talked about or revisited much. Yeah, yeah, I know. True. I liked it. I had a blast. I know you're going to be having a blast up there in New York, and uh, we'll have a blast next week here on the show, I'm sure of it. I hope so. And again, as we go, always remember, everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.